a pocket of a beer or a cold libation, let me tell you how I wrote this little thing. I went and took a call from brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast, and I ask him what you got. He said I'll start off with some talking and some movie clips and popcorn fighting, fantasy explorations and some groundless exploitation, kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxings, full month horror movie marathon. Sometimes I'll let the dogs come on, contest and the push, you know it's all about games. I said slow down, let's just start with the name. It's the Nerds RPG Variety. With the other, Jason. Welcome to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. This is Movie Monday. Goblin's Henchman inspired this. The idea here is that we pick a movie each month, people watch it, then they send in their thoughts about the movie, and I play them all together. This month's movie is 1983's Crawl. This is a science fiction swashbuckling film, it is written by Stanford Sherman and directed by Peter Yates. If you haven't seen Crawl, you should probably go watch it before you listen to this episode. It's a pretty fun movie. I do recommend it. We see a lot of young actors in here that you'll definitely recognize. You know, some of the more recognizable people in here, of course, are Liam Neeson, Robbie Coltrane, Alan Armstrong, lots of recognizable actors, and some decent performances. Um, this game... Or game, I'm giving my hand away here. This movie, there were allegedly ties with AD&D that didn't necessarily prove to be true, but this movie reminds me of a 1980s video game. The way you would plot out and mix together a video game. Because, you know, like say, for an early video game. Because this mixes science and magic and psionics. Uh, this is definitely science fantasy. There's no question about it. And this is a good way to mix all those elements together. We see high-tech. We see low-tech. We see crazy things. We see some kind of scary sequences. And there's some silly sequences. <laughs> this, like all movies, have, all good fantasy movies, have that iconic weapon. This is the glaive, which is kind of reminiscent to something we've seen before in this series. But... The glaive is kind of cool. The, I don't know. We recreated it in Pathfinder 1. Joe over Hindsightless statted it up. And while my character's drawn blood with it, it hasn't proved nearly as effective as it is in this movie. But I love that Joe statted it up, and I'm really thankful that he did. Okay, before we get into the calls, I usually rate this on my 3B scale. It's not my scale. This scale, of course, comes from other places. But badasses, boobs, and body counts. So badasses. I am going to call out Rel the Cyclops. Now, this actor you've seen before because the actor that plays Rel is Bernard Breslau. And we recently saw him in Hawk the Slayer playing Gort the Giant. But Rel in here is a badass. He's a great character. The the idea that the Cyclopses have given up an eye to see the future is kind of an interesting thing. Um, and his, his demise is pretty epic. As far as nudity, we, we, you get some 
bare male chests, so that's in there for you if that's your thing. As far as body counts, we get a bunch of body counts in this movie. Um, the enemy soldiers in this, the which are kind pretty science fictiony, science fantasy, depending how you look at that, but they're much more effective than say stormtroopers. There's quite a high body count in this movie for the protagonists. It's pretty impressive. So definitely, there's a decent body count in this movie. Um, really, really interesting concept. The idea you have what's kind of a medieval fantasy world with like magic and psionics and stuff invaded by a sci-fi foe. And not only is it a sci-fi foe, but the fortress they have to get to teleports and bounces around. <laughs> That's why I kind of liken it to a 80s video game. I should also mention that the clip art for this episode is taken from a t-shirt available from Turbo Comics. There's a link to that in the show notes. But that's enough me talking. Let's hear what the callers have to say. Before we go to the calls, though, I do want to mention our December Movie Monday. Because Movie Monday in December, it's always last Monday of the month, falls on 25 December on Christmas, we're going to do a Conan Christmas. You can call in about any Conan movie. Yes, Red Sonja counts as a Conan movie. And give your thoughts. So that's up to you. You pick and call in on what you want. Mix and match. It's all good. I look forward to those entries. All the way to send entries are in the show notes. So without further ado, let's get to the calls. Hey, Jason. How are you? This is Kevin calling from... Burden 2D6, an analytic dice fan. But anyhow, I wanted to call about the Crawl Contest, and you picked probably one of my favorite movies of all time, seriously, uh, and and The Glaive. Um, you know, the famous Glaive from Crawl is kind of the, the weapon as a kid that I think I even created one out of wood. Uh, you know, it had a great impression on me. And in fact, so much so that recently... Uh, myself and my colleague Gabe, uh, for our episode of Analytic Dice, we did Lost in a Fantasy World by Diogo Nogueira. And um, for my magical item, I picked a glaive. And for those thinking about this is that, you know, uh, that, that, that glaive that you can throw that kind of returns to you and all that. And, uh, you know, it's probably the first time in a game I could actually bring um, uh, the, the very weapon of my childhood the glaive from Krull into a game. So I had a great time doing it, great time playing it, and still uh, really love that movie. Uh, a, a great overwhelming enemy, a great quest, fantastical creatures, including a cyclops. I mean, just really amazing. So uh, wouldn't it be great if they did a, uh, a remake of Krull? All right, talk to you soon. Hey, Jason, this is Commodore from Cold Light Press. Long-time listener, first-time caller, but you had to bring me in with Crawl. Man, that movie was such a great kids' movie. I know it has a famous B-movie feel to it, but if you're looking for some of the older, grungier-style movies, it's not really for you. I can't think of much that was actually all that objectionable to it. Uh, looking at the data is even now, I don't see I'd much object to my kids watching. Oh, but man, it was great. A lot of action, a lot of adventure. You know, you're probably going to have a lot of people who talk about the cast 
I think Ken Marshall did an actual great job as Colwyn. He was kind of a little bit of a smarmy guy, but I think he did great as the generic self-insert hero. Of course, Lisette Anthony was wonderful as uh, Lysa. And of course, uh, I don't know if he gets enough credit, but Freddie Jones did great as Nier, or however you want to pronounce him. I thought he had some actual genuine pathos when he had his spider lady girlfriend. Actually, I'm going to say a lot of the movie was better than it had any right to be, as my review. James Horner's soundtrack was kind of weird. Actually, it was really weird, but it really kind of worked. A lot of the special effects, yeah, there's obviously wonky soundstage stuff. There was obviously some budget problems, and the Cyclops makeup was... uh, (laughs) It didn't convince you even when you were back in the 80s. But everything in it just showed a lot of care. I think everybody involved with the movie really thought they were doing their very best. Of course, unfortunately for Krull, it came out after all the Star Warses, and it's a little bit embarrassing that the bar was set so much higher. I think that if it had come out in any time before Star Wars, even a good two months before Star Wars it would have been received as one of the best movies of all time until Star Wars supplanted it. I really don't have too much else to say about the specifics of the plot. I know some people are going to be all excited about the glaive. It never really did much for me, especially as, you know, he never actually uses it all that much. I don't know if too many people are talking about, but all this world building, you know, it's this fantasy sci-fi, that mostly sci-fi, but I don't think it's really well enough uh, said that apparently just married couples have the ability to cast fireball. That's a wonderful little bit of world building that never really gets uh, any kind of examination. Anyway, love the beast, love the Cyclops. Liam Neeson actually does get yeah, a little bit of stuff and he's charismatic enough that, yeah, you can see why he became a bigger star. But everything about it was just great. Uh, David Baddeley, uh, Ergo, was not all that impressive, I guess. He was a little bit annoying to me, even on the first watch. But overall, just a great, great kids movie. Uh, it's no Princess Bride, but then what is? But I would easily rank it up there in the top ten. Just fun to sit down with the kids and watch movies. Anyway, Jason, thanks. Okay, it's uh, Goblin Sentiment here and, and my hombre from way back when, from like about 1985, 86. Yeah, probably, yeah. You need a cool nickname yeah, like me, was, like Goblin Sentiment. Goblin Henchman's Henchman. Yeah, or no, what about no, no, the, the Henchman's Goblin? <laughs> That'll screw your people. Yeah, yeah. Goblin Sentiment, the Henchman's Goblin. <laughs> Who else is there? There's uh, Free, For, Free For All, Pink Phantom. There's Joe Richter. That's a made-up name. Oh, okay. I think his name's real. Real name is like Poindexter Brown or something. I'm not sure. But yeah, it's completely made up. That's not a real name. Absolutely. But um, <laughs> so anyway, I wasn't quite sure what we're up to. But um, so why don't you hit the the pre-spoilers? Like, what what do you remember from Kroll when you watched it? Again, thinking that I know a lot, but I'm I'm relatively sure that I've forgotten quite a few things here. <laughs> right. Um, I think there's quite a strong uh, British cast. Is it? In this, okay. kind of, quite a few, uh, quite a few guys, especially in the kind of band of merry men that he has. Um, uh, 
obviously a sweet cool weapon. I seem to remember the beasties being really cool. Right. But I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um and to me when when we watched it as a kid, I was just it was it was amazing. All the effects were brilliant, all the bits and pieces. Clearly though, that was a very long time ago. <laughs> no, <laughs> so um well, it won't be probably won't digital effects, will it? So if it's not digital, it might still hold up. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I guess... like Star Wars, you know, the, the yeah, spaceships yeah, are quite good yeah. because they're they're not, you know, they don't show the animatronics. But yeah, I don't remember other from other than the, you know, look at the the, the cover here. There's pretty predominant star on it. I always remember that, but yeah. pretty much that's all I remember. <laughs> I was so bad at films. Yeah. I, I remember liking it. Um, so. Yeah, well, I don't remember incorporating any of the stuff into like our D and D games or anything like that at all. Mm. It wasn't didn't affect me that much. I just yeah. remember it being really cool. That's true. So um, yeah, quite a lot of films we used to watch. And, yeah, that that would be like a plus three Vorpal and blah, 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 yeah. blah, But I don't really remember that. So uh, you're right. Okay, well, should we should we hit the hit 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 play from the southwest sofa? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Okay, cheers. All right, dude. Well, that was Kroll. Um, I have to say, I guess the big picture, I really, really, really didn't remember any of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad at movies, so that was, uh, that was pretty cool. What about you? Did you, you sound like you remembered a quite remember a lot? Remembered quite a bit of it. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, going back to our previous um, review, I kind of got the little bit wrong just with the old boy. So there wasn't some enveloper thing that came along. It was oh, yeah, just you're like right. his doppelganger came along. Yeah, and yeah, just yeah. yeah. There, so. there was no, there was not, that wasn't um, that at all. You're right. But, uh, and I forgot. Um, Oh yeah, I forgot about the the horses. Horses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. We, we'll come back to the horses maybe in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Otherwise, though, as I say, I could just remember it for being mm. like a really strong kind of relatively unknown British cast at the time. They've yeah. kind of gone on to do kind of big things, but then quite a lot of the lead characters in this kind of haven't seen. Yeah, ironically, the lead, the lead, the lead characters. Disappeared for nothing, and a lot of these, mm. like Robbie Coltrane and and Liam Neeson and uh, the Lord Marshal, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, probably from you, you American uh, listeners, you won't know who Mark Fowler is, but uh, he, 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 he appeared in a British soap called EastEnders, but yeah, so yeah, I mean, it was interesting that because it was it was a bit of a sci-fi and. And fantasy vibe, wasn't it? Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, um, obviously the space aliens coming down and, and uh, obviously conquering the world. I mean, what, what do you think about the start? I, think was, I thought the start was, you know, I thought the start was pretty strong when they kind of, you know, opening with the, the, the castle coming in um, and then and then obviously like attacking. The, the weird, they had those weird spacesuits, didn't they? The, yeah. the, the goodies at the beginning. And then we didn't see much more of that. But it's almost like they were completely, almost like they were completely wiped out and. Then you just left up to a couple of lads with a little bit of leather bodkins. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, right. Kind of just did it really, but um, yeah, it, it, I think as you say, the, the the initial part almost with almost like a little bit like a star destroyer going by, yeah. wasn't it? I think there, so kind of very much that vibe. Definitely a lot of Star Wars and Lord of the Ring vibes. I thought, like like the the guy, the old man from the mountains, get very much a Gandalfy kind of thing. Yeah, and now. And the she, it was almost a bit of a she lob. I really liked, I thought that was a really strong scene for me. I really liked the uh, the lady who lived in the yeah. in the webs. What's she called? Uh, Widow of the web. Widow of the web, and um, yeah. So 
Uh, yeah, I think it was a lot of a lot quite serious. I thought. Yeah, quite, that's what know, I was going to say. It's yeah. kind of more Lady Very Hawk. Very serious film. More Lady Hawk and less um, Hawk the Slayer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you couldn't put many pick many holes in it actually. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I really, I really thought it was, I really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't remember anything of it, but um, I think it had a lot of quite cool scenes. Pacing again. A lot of these old films, a lot of montage, mm. a lot of riding. I like the massive hill he had to climb. Mountain, yeah, yeah, huge, yeah. With the old boy just going, yeah, go for it, and then <laughs> stick your hand in lava. I was like, where did you get that from? Because I would never in a million years think I'm gonna put my hand in lava. Yeah, definitely, I'd go for that. Looks but... like a starfish. I'd definitely go for that. <laughs> like starfish. But you know, I guess, I guess there were some weird links with the flames, weren't they? You know, the uh, yeah. The, so maybe they're the ancestral. Do you yeah, know if this is a book maybe. or something originally? I don't know. Oh, okay, don't no, I just wonder. But uh, yeah, that that the the fire mares scene that was pretty groovy. <laughs> Who knows what type of horses those were? But apparently they don't have a running. Uh, they don't have running oh, herds. Man, <laughs> they say I'm getting a bit. I'm a bit of lip here because I was like saying, "Oh, this is a really impressive scene." You never see a herd of Clydesdale or riding. It's like, what the hell? What the hell's a Clydesdale? I was like, these working horses. And like it's just, I think he's ribbing me because he's from Somerset, oh, man. Like Somerset is like heartland of country. <laughs> like, he, you know what? He, he comes out with this stuff like "Red Dawn by morning means it's gonna rain twice before summer," and he's like, "I don't know what a Clydesdale is, so don't give me that." Who knows? I don't, I Who don't knows? believe it. <laughs> anyway, so I'm not gonna live that down in a hurry. Get my veterinary science degree, you know, like you did, Mike. I think it's a thing they say. I, I literally know nothing about horses apart from what bloody Clydesdale is and a, the Shetland pony. That's the like the two extremes. In the middle is a normal horse. Uh, dear. But, yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's give some swords and. Well, just a couple of other things. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Go for it. Some sweet cool stuff. The Cyclops. Cyclops yeah. Ace yeah. All with the his trident thing. Trident. That was pretty that cool. That was cool. And I like the. The blaster that you reversed into a, a into a sword thing. A sword, like, that's yeah. pretty cool. That one thing I did remember was the baddies. The look, they're kind of like half skeleton, half half skeleton, half um, squiddy type thing. I don't know when, no, oh, when they died, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. But half skeleton, half um, like crab thing. You know, the exoskeleton. Yeah, yeah. But then they had yeah. the squid in it, and I thought the the castle was interesting. The like the living. You know, yeah. like, the, like yeah. all, all the bits that was a bit labyrinthy, wasn't it? We said that just for, yeah. for a few bits there. It was quite. And the way she was running through the labyrinth in yeah. that dress, that was definitely labyrinth-esque. And the the Cyclops. Very cool. Getting squashed. The guy from, the guy from yeah, that was really sad, really <laughs> sad. i got to say, man, that's one of the, just, I think, just the way they kind of bigged it up, saying, oh, if he goes to, if he goes against where he's going to die, then it brings him lots of pain and all the other bits mm. and pieces. Kind of, I guess there's, there's no more pain than being squashed. Squashed between, yeah, a couple but, of walls. Um, but the guy from, I water, the guy from you the might say. movies as well. So, <laughs> so just yeah, there's just true. some great, great um, cameos and stuff from from people in this stuff. So. Yeah, actually, you know the guy from uh, what's he, Alan, whatever he, the guy from New Tricks. I, th- I thought he, yeah. I, I actually think he was probably the best actor in it. I thought he was good. Yeah. I thought him finding quite convincing. Yeah. yeah, they always seem to have a they have to have a yank as the lead because always no one will go to the film. But absolutely, but yeah, I mean all those. You look like Patrick Swayze. He did, yeah. I think that's probably yeah. why he didn't get anywhere. Maybe. I just thought it was Patrick. <laughs> yeah. You're been... really good at Roadhouse! <laughs> <laughs> You're right, every time I've been interviewed, yeah. Like, 
You've got the job, Patrick. The job's in the mail. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> We've already got your address. Don't worry about it. You don't need to give us anything. Everyone knows where Patrick Swayze lives. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was the... And the girl, like, she she had a tiny waist, but um, I don't... She looked familiar to me, but I didn't recognise her. No. I guess she didn't no. do anything else. All right, so ending. That's good for some good fighting. You like the axes, yeah? Yeah, I love the axes. Oh, axes actually, were cool. I thought that doppelganger scene, that was pretty... Yeah, I thought, that was good. The but, eyes, they did the eyes yeah, really well yeah. on that stuff, didn't they? Because when I saw it, I kind of, I kind of got almost a bit of a goosebumps because like, ooh, who's that creepy guy? Yeah, yeah. So that that was quite... I, I think, think they did... the old That old boy was a, was a really good casting for mm, the thing there because he was yeah. like... Prop, he just looked really frail. So when they then had the doppelganger thing mm. there that was actually a little bit evil, they didn't have to do much to his hands to make his hands yeah, look really bad to face so um and i like the whole emerald the, the emerald vibe you know he like had that crystal emerald at the beginning yeah, and that was cool we'll see i think as we were saying though for that when you were saying about whether the special effects kind of mm. um hold up then i think they kind of did to be fair because yeah, it wasn't not bad not the, you bad. know there wasn't too much by the way i mean maybe the flames <laughs> i think the flames are a bit the flames and the, the transitions are a bit sucky but you know i thought they I'll give it a pass. Nineteen eighty-two, yeah. whatever. Three, yeah, whatever, yeah. So I, I, I think, you know, I think that it was so shocking. Um, so yeah, no, I think I think it was right. So, you know, I think for me there was some, you know, some big themes. I think when I want these films, you know, there's a bit of love story again. Ooh, yeah, well, okay. uh, yeah, who wants that? Yeah, kissed a girl already, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I like the I like the big themes of you know, saving the world and intergalactic baddies and all that kind of stuff so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm into that so it's going to get some thumbs up so I'm definitely going to give it I just remember there being more of the crawl yeah. flying around all the time true true for real yeah I, I thought it was like winging it all over the place but yeah, yeah and when he used it earlier it would have been much, much handier the way he's getting all those guys down but yeah there wasn't yeah I, I thought it was loads of it but I guess they're saving it for the big bang, and then obviously, what happened with it at the end? Yeah. And why are they going to have a kid who's going to be an intergalactic ruler? Ruler. Yeah. When they just got swords. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the baddie Kroll did have his wicked way with the princess, and she's like, maybe keep he's been keep, keep keeping it, <laughs> keeping on the down low. <laughs> Comes out with red eyes. Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. Wait a minute. I've seen this movie. Maybe, maybe when he first came to it, he had his eyes closed. Ooh. Ooh, darling, Ooh. Yeah, yeah. well, that's a plot twist. <laughs> that's the DM fucking with it, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. Stop that. Okay, right. You ready to rate it? I'll, yeah, you go first, though. Uh, all right, sorry. I guess I, I'll go first. Now, obviously, baseline. Your your baseline has been your high, high mark is. I've gone is, high early. I don't know if well, I've done. Well, yeah, well, I don't know, man. It's fine. Like you got a you got a basic. You got your baseline, lady. Uh, Lady Hawk. Lady Hawk. Yeah. Um, I've got to give it at least four and a half, um, probably four and three quarters. Because I did, I did, you know, but there doesn't even be much wiggle room, does it? I'm going to give it four and a half. Four and a half, solid four and a half, you know, t- t- tipping towards four. Because, you know, basically overall, I enjoyed the big themes. You couldn't really pick many holes in it, you know. There wasn't too many bits where you, you could say it was... Uh, in, uh, in quotes, unrealistic. It all it all tied together ni- nicely. Like Beastmaster, really enjoyed it, but there were some great big glaring holes <laughs> in it. Some, yeah, <laughs> but it was just fun. That was fun. This uh, I think this was just this is more Lady Hawk. Yeah. yeah, 
a little more serious, I think, there. Lady Hawk, but bigger themes, I think. That's yeah. where I'm going with it. Um, Nostalgia-wise, it's up there, isn't it? Mm. I think now it's kind of one of those ones, and you talk about in groups like this, and it kind of everyone, everyone mentions Krull and, and kind of when that's when that's coming up. Yeah. Um, Iconic, I guess, is what yeah, it is. Yeah, for real. Can't forget, the, yeah. can't forget the, the whizzy thing. Oh, I thought oh, you mean the horses. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't going that way. Anyway, finish up. It's um, fine. So, uh, so just to go back to the horses, though, we did both like the the fiery thing for them. We did like the fiery there. horses, yeah. Although I don't know why their their furry feet didn't catch well, on fire. This is it. This is it. Tinder. That's, that's the trouble with the Clydesdale. <laughs> Clydesdale. Shy horse, man. A shy horse. You know what a shy horse. Anyway. Um, so I think probably for me I'm gonna go. It's it's a. I think I agree. It's a strong, four long swords and a short sword. Money it's, it's very yeah, much definitely yeah, a thing there. Cool. Maybe a little bit more. Maybe. Okay, I'm gonna push you. Would better than Lady Hawk or not? On if it's a tie break. Oh, I love Lady Hawk. Though. That's <laughs> a trouble, man. I really do. Uh, Lady Hawk. I've probably. I think I've watched Lady Hawk more. So at the moment, That's probably, well, sounds like maybe uh, Lady, maybe Lady Hawk. This is got. Up. This is more. This is. I think this is more fantastic, obviously, because mm-hmm. of the stuff that's in it. And, yeah. and thing what you. I mean, that's, that's clear. Um, Lady, think, Hawk, Lady Hawk feels more grounded to me. Yeah. This, this seems. This just to me feels like there's a little bit of a gap in it. I liked it, but the Lady Hawk feels like a, a more grown-up film in a way. This yeah. is definitely like kids' film, yeah. but fun. You know, yeah. Lady Hawk is a bit almost. So you know, adult, almost an adult. Well, probably an adult film, really. Actually, anyway, I'm yeah. not, I'm, I'm not swinging, yeah. I'm not swinging, but I'm, I'm no, just no, curious. No. I, think, you... I think probably, I, I think to be fair, if we're just, if we're going for more kind of fantasy stuff, it would definitely be this. This, Krull, okay. on, yeah. on the thing there, just with with various bits and pieces, you know, Cyclops, yeah, the um, Spider, the Spider. The, I like yeah, that. Yeah. That was because you were, we were wondering if that was uh, what's it called, Anima. Um, Harryhausen type, what do you call it? stop motion? Stop motion, yeah. Quite realistic, it was, but it was pretty good. Because that's funny, because I remember that scene, but I would never have said it was in Kroll, not in a million years. Yeah, I would have thought it was something else. No, because that's when you kind of said about the Shelob kind of feel. I think now it's like yeah. oh, it didn't ring the same for me, just because I think for that the particular lady. scene, I kind of knew mm. a little bit more that was going on on there. So, um, so yeah, um, yeah, strong four and a half. Yeah, maybe it's unfair to try to say because I'm trying to say, do I think do I like this more than Beastmaster? So it's funny because, like, like I said, this is like Lady Hawk is definitely grown up, and uh, um, what's the other one? The the guy with the the floating sword. You you didn't watch it yet, or not not with this Hawk anyway? The Hawk the Slayer, because that that is like just ramped up to the max. <laughs> and I gave it a bit of a hard time, but I I'm I'm I have to re- I repent on that. I, I, I'm going to upgrade Hawk. Hawk the Slayer to a, a four and a half as well. It's just like the opposite spectrum. It's just yeah. like full on. Yeah. But okay, right. So we're giving it four and a half. Four and Southwest half. Oh, yeah. strong four and a half. Southwest sofa has spoken. I think there might. They, it would probably get a bit higher if there was there, there wasn't many boobs. There were, there yeah. Well, that that I have to say, it, it, that's the retro <laughs> tip <laughs> that puts the the cherry on the cake. <laughs> it, it, we needed it to be made by Medusa, not Pinewood. <laughs> then it would have yeah. been done. Uh, well, what's, the, what's the Tristar? Wasn't that? I remember your dad used to come in and goes, "Oh, this is rubbish!" Like the one with the Pegasus. Is that one of those Tristar movies or something? I remember. I remember thinking, "So go against that man? What's he talking about?" Anyway, yeah. But yeah, I remember watching this a lot. Yeah. But I obviously really crap at remembering. All right, we'll wrap it up there. Um, 
Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, sorry, I yeah, yeah, for one no, no, thing go, go for it, go for it. I guess the only thing that we kind of noticed in this bit, it's very difficult to take this part with kind of like finding funny things and other bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. So I guess like two things. Mm -hmm. Your tigers kill more if you're not dying in black. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. They're more deadly. It's true, yeah. And then if you're going to put someone in a cyclops suit, Kind of make it so you can actually see when he's trying to shake people's hands. <laughs> yeah, he's like putting it out, fishing for the game of the But quicksand, that's a big theme. Yeah, absolutely. We, yeah, that seems to be coming there's into the, everything. The, yeah, there's a horse in there's a horse in that one, isn't there? In uh, Never Any Story, some quicksand and yep. a horse. Yeah. And uh, throwing things, Hawk the Slayer. No, not Hawk Slayer. This one, Beastmaster. Beastmaster and uh, Mad Max. A lot Mad of thro Max, lot yeah. of throwing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, shuriken. I think it's a big shuriken, isn't it? Really, it's kind of. But yeah. the thing where he flicks it—that's yeah. that's the. That was uh, quite cool. He had to hold it carefully. I know it's Very probably careful. like he <laughs> yeah. should have chopped his fingers off. <laughs> maybe, maybe he did. Right. Okay. So that that's that Southwest Swoker has spoken. Have we finally I spoken? We've spoken. Yeah. Sorry. Right. We've spoken not, quite long, but yeah. Take, <laughs> you know, fast forward if you don't like it. All right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. All right. Cheers. Hit Cheers. the button. Okay, here we go. This is another film I watched many times as a kid. Kind of sits between Hulk the Slayer and Beastmaster in terms of content, I think anyway. There's clearly a little bit of Star Wars sprinkled in there too. In fact, I kind of forgotten about the sci-fi elements. It predominantly being like faux medieval and all. As I understand it, that's how the original started out, with kind of more more sci-fi elements being introduced in the rewrites. Is that meant to be a spaceship, or have I wandered into the woodshed again? It was given me to know. Many worlds have been enslaved. Well, the baddies look sufficiently menacing. The slayers. A single kingdom under our children. Agreed. Oh, a united kingdom. Take the fire from my hand. No time for romance. There's stakes to be set. Is there a safe way out of the castle? An underground passage? Well, it certainly looks like there's plenty of ways into it. Rocks fall, but sadly, no one dies. They don't make lava like they used to. Yet another highly impractical weapon. Well, what have we here? A fighter! Certainly get a better class of bandit around these parts. Let's just kill them and be done with it, Torquil. Saffron! Would you follow a king? A king? <laughs> well, I didn't pray for you. I have no sons, but I will go with you. Flipping egg, Tucker. I'd forgotten Todd Carty was in this. <laughs> Somebody just killed a Tong Tong. We seek the Black Fortress. Ah, finally. Proper wizard. Such a vision will be opposed. 
All this fighting is far from exciting. I am the Magnificent. That Real Cyclops sounds strangely familiar. Bernard Breslau. Not only was he the giant in Hawk the Slayer, he was also the landlord in Jabberwocky. There certainly seems to be a real surplus of quicksand in the 80s. Nice bit of stop motion, check. Those horses are impressive. Some sturdy steeds. Oh, there they go. They must have hit 88 miles an hour. Da 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 was wrong. The journey was worthwhile. No, not Agrid. So the Cyclops' fate was to turn up five minutes late. Or perhaps this is the great pain he will suffer for coming along. It's certainly going to hurt. Oh, Liam Neeson didn't even get to show us his specific set of skills. Quite like the old shifting, unpredictable nature of the castle interior, false walls, spike traps, and whatnot. Slaying the beast was a bit of an anti-climax. Of course he's not dead. You are his queen? Yes. Then we won. Yes. Yay, they did it. Oh, boy. A girl of ancient name shall become queen. She shall choose a king, and together they shall rule our world and their son shall rule the galaxy. Let's hope we can do that on horseback. Yeah, so I quite like the soundtrack of this. I thought the cast was really good. Although, uh, Lisa Anthony isn't really given much to do at all. Basically just playing the role of Princess McGuffin. The script, and by that I mean the dialogue, is pretty good. There were some nice moments between characters, but the story didn't really add up to much. I mean, I don't get why the Beast had any interest in the princess at all. With the presence of the castle and the invasion of the kingdom, surely ridding the place of evil would have been reason enough to motivate the uh, action. The whole rescue the princess thing... Feels like a bit of an afterthought. Maybe I'm just not enough of a romantic to buy into all that. But I did love the whole uh, Widow of the Web stuff. That was a nice sequence. In contrast to, say, Lady Hawk, I think this is really well paced. Just a shame that all the combat sequences were so uh, 
lacklustre. Had a good time, all in all. Yo, Jason, calling in for the crawl movie talk. I just got finished watching it. It's like 1230 at night. I forgot how absolutely amazing that movie is. I, you know, to tell the truth, I got to say I fell under the propaganda of, oh, it's too long. There's so many boring parts. There are no boring parts. It, it It's worth every minute of its two hour timeline time length. The only thing I could say is you could cut off probably the first the opening credit scene is like five minutes. That could be shorter, I think. Other than that, I don't think so. Plus, that opening <laughs> credit scene, it's so Star Wars, dude. I love it. That that crawl of the <laughs> of the goddamn Dark Tower. Anyway, man, this movie, it's amazing. It's got so much heart. It, there's so much heart in it. He is in my opinion, the best leading man we've seen. He's got so much charisma. Uh, he he can emote. He cries. He, oh, dude, like, all the deaths matter in this movie. Most of them get a little death line when they die, which is awesome. The special effects are amazing. The story is amazing. The scene when the old one goes to visit the widow of the web, that's maybe the one of the best scenes in all of fantasy films ever. That scene is goddamn amazing. The fact that it was made in 1983, get out of here with that shit. That's better special effects than we see today in a lot of like Marvel movies we see today. Kroll did it better, man. It's just, it's so friggin' good. There's humor in it. The bandits are all amazing. Uh, they're, like I said, their deaths all matter. The Cyclops is friggin' genius. Urko, the wizard, is crazy. Even the little kid is awesome in it. The creepy, uh, goddamn clone monsters doppelgangers changelings that it's so friggin good this it's it's my favorite it's my favorite that we've watched so far i don't see it getting dethroned as my favorite fantasy film it's like they said hey let's make conan but instead we'll not make him a big muscly hunk we'll make him a guy with some charisma who uses his head a lot and let's also throw in Star Wars stuff and Dune stuff and we'll call it amazing. And yeah, that's what they did. It's friggin' perfect. I loved every single second of it. A million swords is my ranking for Crawl. Anyway, dude, that was fantastic. I'm very curious what everybody else is going to say. <laughs> I imagine we're going to get some It's Too Longs in there, but it's not. It's not every scene. It's a beautiful movie. It's freaking beautiful. The scenery is amazing. It's the best horse movie we've watched so far. It's freaking awesome, dude. I fucking love Crawl. Take it easy, dude. Peace out. Hey, Jason. It's Anthony calling in from the Eternal Road with a message from the Casting Shadows podcast about Crawl for your movie discussion extravaganza. And I really thought I'd have more to say about Krull, because this is a movie I've watched a lot. I watch every 
I don't know, five or six years. Every time I, I move and the DVDs get mixed up, I'll find it in the wrong place. And, uh, you know, thematically speaking, it's kind of like the, it's kind of like the Dark Tower uh, moving where it will. It, it shows up in the, a different place in the stacks and I have to go looking for it or I find it in the wrong place and I end up watching it. And uh, this time was no different. Uh, it was weirdly uh, nestled up against the Toxic Avenger, nowhere near the place where I would normally file it. So that's kind of bizarre. No recollection of putting it there. But this was a, a movie that, even when we watched it the first time, it caused a lot of discussion. You know, some people in the game group at the time, younger than us, uh, loved it. You know, with uh, without reservation, and some people who are a little older who are in the game group. Uh, took issue with one thing or another, you know, special effects or the choice of actor or whatever. Um, but we ended up discussing it a lot, but it got referenced a lot. And it was, like I'm sure many other people are saying, astonishing how often uh, a weapon like the Glaive showed up in, in campaigns and, and the like. Um, these days, when I think on crawl, what I mostly think about is, you know, the uneasy marriages, you know, there's, uh, there's clearly signs of high technology in the world, and yet there's clearly signs of it being, you know, a much more low-tech world. It doesn't look like a particularly warm world, you know, these stone, stone castles be very drafty and damp and cold, and, and people wear layered clothing and, and they they live with their animals they live a, a kind of back to nature existence and yet there are obvious signs of of technology around them and there's also signs of what might be magic or what might be you know, psionic powers or or something somewhere in between and none of it is explained which is also really nice it gives you the opportunity to participate in watching it which is stolen from you when everything gets explained out of the last detail. So I, I like those elements. I like the the themes of these these two opposite things coming together. Whether that's just you know men and women and how that can be successful in some of the examples in the film or unsuccessful in some of the other examples in the film, or you know whether this is the the fire and and the, the, you know the recurring fire and water themes. Uh, whether it's the kind of mercurial personality of Ergo, the magnificent, right, short in statue, uh, tall in power, broad of vision, narrow of purpose—is that how it goes? Um, there are so many examples of this, and how you know the the king's son, the new king, the untried, untested kind of boy king uh, idea forges his army from thieves and, and villains hiding out in the hills. You know, there's just, it's everywhere you look, you, you, everywhere you bump into it is, is the idea of these incongruous unions or these impossible unions coming together and, and making a new and better world, or at least trying. So I, I find that, that, find that pretty fascinating. And then ultimately you have the, the big bad who who puts you in mind of uh, cosmic horror and Lovecraftian monsters, I think, and and yet 
it's not an indifferent and uncaring universe. There are prophecies. There are there are great magics or, or mighty science put in place for the right people at the right time to be able to end the, the cruel reign of, of these impossible dark forces. So, yeah, I think there's a, an awful lot uh, to be said for Krull, and it's certainly been an active part of fueling a lot of different role-playing games. Uh, for us, showing up a lot more in Palladium Fantasy for some reason than than it did in any substantive way in our D&D play or AD&D play. You know, the, the glaive was everywhere in our D&D and AD&D play, but the, the themes and the, let's say, the message of Krull didn't really make it in until we were a little older, I guess, and, and uh, we're looking to intentionally, I think, to make our fantasy stories uh, take on more dimensions than they had originally. Anyway, those are my thoughts on Crawl. Hope that wasn't too long, but uh, thanks for the movie suggestion. Hey Jason, this is Rob, also known as Minion from Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushy, just calling in to say that I am attempting to watch Crawl in time for the release of your, well, the the uh, bringing together the the completion of your of your uh, podcast on that movie. And the opening shots, I've got to say, I quite like them. I, I I do like the mix of science fiction and fantasy. There's elements at the beginning there of Star Wars with this great rock coming through space. Is it a crystal rock? Is it a spaceship? You know, it's clearly a, a a mix of all these things, and I think that works. That mix works. You know, if it was a if it was a star destroyer coming in and then landing on the nah nah, that you know that would break the the whole feel of fantasy but but this way that mix of sci-fi and fantasy does does work i think in a way as being separate from both both elements um because it's separate it works i guess that's what i want to say um the only other thing i'm going to say as i'm watching the movie is the castle this reminds me of another movie we must watch the dark crystal this initial shot of the castle with these crevices uh, in the uh, in the land, hills around it, really reminds me of the Skeksis castle in the Dark Crystal. So um, I'll keep on watching now. I hope that doesn't throw everybody else off. I might not call back in again, but um, I am watching Kroll and I look forward to hearing everybody's uh, opinions on the movie. Hey there, Jason. It's MW here. And I just got done watching Krull and preparing my review. You know, it's a mixed bag with this movie. Uh, it's not my favorite fantasy movie. Uh, as far as where it... Uh, now, we're not. Your, your instructions are not to rank these movies on a month-to-month basis. Uh, I ju- I've just been kind of thinking about it. I, I place this high among the movies you've recommended so far. Um... But I, I don't enjoy it that much. It's not my cup of tea. I don't, I don't like the blending of fantasy, like sword and sorcery, with uh, sci-fi like this. Like with the lasers that the Slayers had and all. I, I don't know. It's just not for me. The Glaive, which is a pretty iconic weapon from fantasy movies of the 80s. Um, not, not, not that exciting to me. I, I don't like those kind of fanciful things. I don't know. It's just not that interesting to me. I, I like more traditional stories and fantasy. Um, 
you know, this movie is a, a partially prone, though. Um, I do like it enough to sit for long stretches on the couch and watch it, but I do get up and get bored and, like, vacuum during it or dust or whatever I was doing earlier while I was watching it. It wasn't enough to keep my full attention, but I wasn't not prone. So not prone is the worst in the MW ranking system. If, if I'm not prone, it means I barely am watching the movie. It's on, I have the volume up, I might be listening to it, but I'm not really sitting on, on my chair at all or my couch watching it at all. And then Fully Prone is one of those movies where I'm, I'm there, man. I'm not moving. Let me put it this way. Rogue One was on the other night. And I was watching something that was annoying me, like a basketball game, I believe. And I turned it off and put Rogue One on about halfway through Rogue One, and I didn't move. I was comatose for the next hour. Because that movie is a fully prone movie and the how MW ranks. In the worlds of MW. Let's just put it that way. In the worlds of MW Lewis. Rogue One is a fully prone. Okay? So, Crow's a partially prone. Not bad. Not bad. You know, the costuming's fine. It's not a period piece, so I'm not going to be too critical of the costuming. I like it. I think the special effects are great. You know, there's a few interesting things about this movie. It was the most expensive movie made by Columbia Pictures at the time. Now, I looked up some facts about it, uh, and that is true. It, it was the most expensive movie uh, ever made by Columbia Pictures, 27 million bucks. Now, the movie barely made the money back. It just got over the finish line internationally, but it, domestically it did terribly. You know, and I'm sure, I'm sure they, they still make some money off of it to this very day. And, and there's other reviews out there that note the uh, cultural significance of Crawl, like spawning, um, I don't know, video games and, and comic books and stuff. And that's all great, uh, but I, I don't think that's really what Columbia Pictures was aiming for. They, they wanted to make bank. They wanted to make bank, and they didn't really make bank. So... From that perspective, the movie's kind of a failure, but not as bad as some of the other ones we've reviewed already. So at least it pretty much covered its costs in the end. Uh, now, you know, the, the main actor is this guy. Uh, I, I never heard of him. I, I didn't really know who he was when I watched the movie because, again, it came out in 1983. I was only... I was a fresh 12-year-old at the time. A, a fresh... Almost fresh out of the womb. 12 year old you know it hadn't been that long since i was floating in the in the primordial juices of the womb so i don't know who this guy is ken marshall uh and i don't know who he was after never heard of him again uh lisette anthony i i didn't know who she was and i don't know who she ever became afterwards um but I do know who Liam Neeson is. I mean, he's a great actor. I, I am a bit surprised that Lisette Anthony and Ken Marshall didn't become big Hollywood stars like Liam Neeson. But uh, they didn't. But Liam did, and he's in it. And I'm sure he's glad he got a little money to be in the movie. Uh, but I'm also sure he's glad he he didn't have the same kind of career as, as the stars of the movie. Robbie Coltrane also is in it, and he does a good job, too. And there's some other actors in it who are are good, and they're notable actors. We got, let's see here, we got, um, well, Liam Neeson, Robbie Coltrane. You get a, I don't know, 
get some other people in it. I, I don't even want to go through it. But uh, I thought I had a website up listing them all, and I, it's gone now. So I just watched it, though. There's a couple good scenes. You know, the battle scene at the swamp. It's not bad. Uh, I, I talked to you, Jason, before I sent my review, and I said I find these Slayers, you know, are, are basically like stormtroopers. They have these, like, cool laser weapons, uh, but they don't really use them that well. They, like, have people surround it, and instead of just continuing to fire their lasers at them, they march in and just get, like, slaughtered. Like, that's kind of dumb. But you retorted, and this is not supposed to be a give and take when we do these reviews, so I'm kind of violating the rules of, of our movie club here, but you did retort that, hey, the Slayers were better than Stormtroopers because they do have a pretty good kill count, and... You are right, except for Rogue One. Uh, you are right. The the Slayers are a little better, a little more fearsome. And uh, but that's it. You know, I like. You know, you know. It, it, I'd like to say this movie opened the door to future fantasy movies, but I have a take a different view of it because it it really was kind of a failure financially. I think it delayed. It delayed actually the release. Of a great movie like um, Lord of the Rings, I, I and maybe that's good because the technology just quite frankly wasn't there yet, even in the mid '90s, to make Lord of the Rings. I think you needed to be in the late '90s to start making Lord of the Rings. Certainly, the mid '80s in the early '90s, you could not have made Lord of the Rings the way it was made. Uh, so I don't think Crawl opened the door really to anything. Uh, although I've read some things where it did actually lay the groundwork for, you know, genre-bending classics. And that might be true. So it might have laid the groundwork for genre-bending classics, meaning the merging of sci-fi with fantasy, with swords and sorcery. Uh, maybe a movie like Dark Crystal or something like that. I don't know. Possibly. Possibly. I, I I hope Jim Henson, when he made Dark Crystal, didn't say, oh, gosh darn it, I'm going to make a crawl with puppets. Because uh, Dark Crystal is actually, in my opinion, much better than Crawl. I like I like that movie a lot. Uh, in fact, I, I don't know if it was on Amazon or Netflix, but they had like a, they had like a, a prequel to the Dark Crystal. And I watched that, and I like it. Now, if they made a prequel to Crawl... I'm not. I'm just not gonna watch it. I mean, I gotta be honest. Uh, well, maybe I don't know though. Maybe if they cast Ken Marshall back as as the prince. Now, I will say one thing. I give the movie credit. I give the movie credit for for not having a rags to riches hero in it, which some of these other movies. That's kind of a, a trope. The rags to riches. He this guy, uh, Col Colwyn, he already starts out as a prince, and he's already got a hottie. He's already married. The Princess Lysa. I mean, that's awesome. They they go they go they kind of turn the tables there, uh, and that's bold. And, and you know, and they have a they have an interesting monster, the Beast. I don't know. He didn't make much of an impression on me. Uh, I I didn't feel much. I, I like Darth Vader much better. You know, that's just my opinion. Um, and I like other bad guys better than the Beast. But uh, and, and but they have a a. What was I trying to say? They have a Cyclops in it. That's cool. I mean, it's cool. Cyclops. Cool. So, that's it. That's my review of Krull. I'm glad I was able to watch it for free.
Now, how did I do that? Well, I found 10-minute clips of the movie on YouTube for free. So I would I just went through all the clips. And I can't even say I watched it all. Maybe I missed a few. But that's okay, because I saw the movie. I did see Crawl. And I, I know I've seen it two times. I saw it when it first came out. Uh, not in the theater, though. I'm pretty sure I saw it on cable. So probably 84-ish. And then I know I watched it one other time at some point in the early 2000s when I was laid up drunk or on drugs or something. I think I remember watching it. So this was my third. This was 2.85 watching it. I'm, I think I might have skipped a clip, one of the 10-minute clips. Um, but that's how I watched it. And uh, I hope, I, I really can't wait to hear what other people are saying. I hope, I hope some people love the movie because, you know... If, I'm probably going to put a book out at some point and uh, probably 90% of the people are going to give reviews like mine. And then I hope there's like 10% of the people are like, yeah, I really liked it. I know it was dumb, but I just really liked it. So I hope this movie gets a few like I really liked it reviews. But anyway, I can't wait for the next one, Jason. Hey, Jason. Daniel from Ants keep calling it about Crawl. Sorry for the late entry. Really, I was trying to watch it again, but luckily I have watched it within about six months, so I, it's kind of fresh in my head. I, before then, I hadn't watched it in years and years. And it's funny because when you announced it as the movie for this month, I went on to Prime, and it wasn't free at the time. I don't know, maybe it is now. And I, uh, so I bought it. <laughs> I, I had some like credit, so I, I bought it. So now I own it, so I will definitely watch it again. But I'll kind of go off memory here and just my initial thoughts on Crawl, and so I won't get too long into this since I can't go play by play. But what I'll say is this. This is the kind of movie that really inspired us when we were kids. Like when this movie came out, probably in the early 80s, that's when I was a little kid and we were playing D&D. And I would watch a movie like this and we would just do that kind of stuff in our games. The cool, like weird spider web thingy, the, just the interesting people they meet, like the bandits and the, obviously the, the uh, you know, the weird castle that moves around and stuff. I actually used something like that in my final 5e, <laughs> uh, kind of big uh, final fight at the end of my, my campaign that I had uh, well, years ago. And, you know, it's just that kind of stuff. Those tropes are just fantastic. I thought the, whatever, I mean, it's been a while, so I won't give uh, any comments on the acting, but I thought it was fine for what it is. I mean, it's a B-movie. I don't expect much. The the cool weapon, obviously, is always great in these movies. <laughs> I kind of wish the princess could have done a little more. She was. I remember her kind of running around a lot and kind of avoiding or maybe running from the bad guy. It would have been nice if she had, like, you know, punched him in the face or something, but maybe she couldn't have done that. Maybe she did do that, and I just don't remember. As far as other cool things, I think what always sticks with me about this movie uh, is the Cyclops. A couple reasons. One is that it's great. I mean, it's just a great idea. It's a great character. It's great how it's played out with this like level of like sadness almost. And it's just really cool how it comes around. And <laughs> it makes me think that like, you know, we see things like we grab our monster manual, whatever, and we look up Cyclops and we see what it is, or we look up Troll, or we look up Ogre, or we look up Orc, and we're all kind of doing the th same thing. And I get that, like, on some level, that was done purposefully, right, so that everybody can play the same game, right? When you go to a convention, we're all playing the same game. But really, the idea of creating your own kind of heritages and backgrounds for these various for lack of a better word, monsters in your world, 
can be really interesting, right? In your world, a cyclops can be this kind of figure, and in it could be a, goblins could be completely different, or or orcs, or any creature. You can take it and just make it your own, and make that world something that you've created, something unique that the the players that sit at your table can really enjoy. So, yeah, I think that's a movie like Crawl is what inspires me for those reasons. It doesn't just follow the same basic tropes. It's got a lot of really fun stuff in it. And, you know, I really enjoyed it. So I will watch it again probably after this goes live. I'll probably listen to the episode uh, this Monday. And then uh, after hearing everybody's comments, I'll go back and watch it again (laughs) and see what I missed. Anyways, looking forward to it. Thanks for doing these. I'll talk to you soon. It is dark fluid, so sneaking this in right in the last second, managing to watch Crawl, um, and just right from the beginning, the soundtrack is amazing. I think it was James Horner on this, I believe, and uh, man, I really believe this is the way to go with all fantasy movies, is a traditional orchestral. So already you can see this is going to be a weird, in the RPG sense, setting. The uh, spaceship, very large and rock-like. I, I, it always, I never thought about it until I got older, but how much this had a very um, eldritch Cthulhu-type feel with the alien creatures. Obvious, though, <laughs> not played for horror so much as just inspiration. Already, the quality of the sets and the costuming we've seen is pretty awesome compared to some of the other stuff we've seen. The sword he has is it's interesting. It's very flat. Excuse me, the father, the first father we see has in the purple. It's a very flat, thin design. But uh, one of the things, I think uh, Ireg is his name, but uh, Corwin's father, um, his crown built into the helmet is a very cool design when they come riding in. I think that's never noticed these little details before. It's a great line. Good fighters make bad husbands. Little touches like the cool gate design with the bar that is kind of angled and boomerang shaped. And it's even designed to kind of slide into place. It's really creative and functional. And I notice also something I never noticed before during this scene. If you look at the back of the throne, the glaive is built into the back of the throne, the design of the glaive. It really is a shame that um, they chose to dub an American actress's audio over Lisette Anthony's uh, dialogue. I wonder, I don't, I've never owned any of the DVDs. I wonder if there's a special edition that has her original dialogue um, as an option. That would, be, that would be great for a special release. <laughs> Little details, I've never noticed it before, but you can see uh, the bodies of the guards that were standing in front of the uh, palace gates laying under the door as they're riding over the gate. I didn't ever notice it, but that's a good attention to detail. So a couple of things, um, you know, both the Slayers and the uh, King's Guards armor, I, I find it, it's got that cool mixture of uh, medieval fantasy and sci-fi um, flair to it. And um, also, I, I think it's an interesting thing. We've been to some discussion here lately about firearms in D&D and, and other such role-playing games. And I think this is a good example, a great way to do it where these weapons are extremely powerful in the first hit if they hit, but then it's straight to melee. Um, and I think that I think that can work well. Um, so just a thought. I think definitely we can see that uh, Colin's got a little Errol Flynn in him here. Um, a little bit of inspiration there. 
So some great locations here, but is there anything more D&D than just random falling rocks on a cliffside for no reason? Make a saving throw. So the Black Fortress moves all the time. Sounds like a way for a DM, uh, you know, a MacGuffin to get a DM to keep moving guys around, uh, railroading him through his uh, story of adventures. But uh, maybe uh, maybe it's just a way to keep the uh, party from ever uh, catching what they, what they want in a campaign and keep it moving along without it... Uh, breaking down too quickly and him uh, facing the big bad before they're ready and either killing him or dying. See, this is just good writing. They're already setting up for a payoff later for Yanir. And, you know, so I just never realized some of that stuff when I was young. And now watching it, you know, decades later, I realize why it was good and why I enjoyed it. Yeah, the transformation special effects here are pretty dated, but... Um, I noticed that, uh, pausing it in HD, that, uh, his notes on the ground, it looks like one of them's a, a love potion, uh, a little trivia like that. It's kind of interesting to be able to finally watch it like that and pause in this way. We'll see if I find Ergo more annoying as an adult than as a child. And see, the Black Fortress, it, it has sort of that Cthulhu, almost like in many, in many scenes, it almost looks Geiger-inspired. On the inside, you know, it's constantly changing and molding. It, it's never in one place at the same time. Um, it's alien and, and uh, twists almost to the will of its master. This is just really cool. See, we already have a good D&D party started before we even run into the criminals. The axe blade design is so cool. It's, uh, you, it reminds me of uh, the, I think it was probably inspired, uh, the, the axe that they... Uh, then go on to use in the Nicolas Cage movie Mandy. I think it's definitely a direct inspiration. It's got that heavy metal fantasy design uh, kind of aesthetic. I remember that line from my youth and loving that. Uh, see, the these men follow no man but me, but I follow no man at all. The, the dialogue in this is pretty good, actually, as, as good as I remember it. And the acting so far is just really good. And I won't repeat every line in this movie. It's going to be a huge call if I do, but uh, his speech about fame is fantastic. And I'll just say the setting with the bent trees and the rocks and the echo, like even the echo and the noise, it just, to me, this is like a perfect D&D location. This is, you know, realizing how much of my imagination and my youth playing D&D was fed specifically by this movie. Again, more good writing. You know, they're, they're uh, setting up for the uh, payoff at the end with Torquil. With his line about the uh, king and his Lord Marshal. Also, I never realized until I was watching that uh, there was Robbie Coltrane in this. That's something I didn't realize. Another little detail I never noticed that now on a big TV in this kind of uh, higher definition that uh, when Yinyar is uh, tending to Ergo, you notice in, in the head of his staff, there's also uh, the glaive is carved into that as well. It's all these little details that they put into production that's really kind of stands out to me now that I'm older. So we got our first close-ups of Slayer death scenes, and it just shows you how, you know, it's really cool and creative, the, the concept that came up for them. Um, and although some people may disagree, I'm kind of a little fascinated by some of the visual effects being, you know, really dated, but for some reason the, the, the 
sparks, the red sparks that they create whenever they attack each other, they surprisingly look really good. Um, I don't know. They must have had a really good facility for creating that already. So the death of the series is really creepy. It's almost like this Evil Dead inspired thing from the sound of the way it just almost turns to smoke as it dives into the sand. It's a great scene in the uh, swamp. It's a great shot. That wide shot with the two suns. Really well lit. This, the, again, just great sets. Um, and very evocative. I mean, the imagery in this movie is just, it's just really, really good. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I buy that the uh, changeling fell in love with him in an hour. Seems a little bit stretched to me. That's one of the more unbelievable aspects here. So as Joe Richter pointed out, there's a lot of horse riding <laughs> in this movie, a lot of travel, you know, and I think that probably influenced some of how I thought I should play D&D when I was younger, even if I didn't play it quite as much, but I uh, always wanted to do more overland travel and hex exploration than I actually did and that I'm able to do later in life now because uh, that was always part of the adventure. So. And it was always something that I enjoy reading in a lot of the fantasy novels. I read these epic long rides that they would take across the land and, you know, obviously in the Lord of the Rings and such. I always liked that little rollout when I was a kid uh, across the hall for him to escape with his axe on a rolling on, on his axe, but I think they kind of blew that stun. I think he was supposed to go all the way across the wall, but they're like, screw it, we'll just keep it. And just like D&D, the hirelings that managed to survive become a part of the party and the rest... Uh, <laughs> simply fall off the bridge and die. And a good adventurer always has a rope with him. Something tells me a big way they ended it the way they did with the final boss fight is simply because uh, they figured out it was uh, too awkward looking for him to be able to do any kind of uh, real fighting in that uh, rubber suit. Just in the fashion of the weird, bizarre, eldridge nature of the whole thing it's like super cool instead of collapsing down it collapses up into the sky that's super cool i mean this there's so many cool things you could take into a campaign from this movie so there it is a nice clean ending of the movie and now it's pretty apparent by seeing them all laying in the field who the npcs were and who the pcs were but uh in all seriousness this thing is long enough to run up on 10 minutes and um, everyone's going to be bored to death, so hopefully it's at the end of your call so they can just stop listening. <laughs> but um, love this movie. It was one of my favorites as a kid and inspired me a lot in my role-playing. And I think it held up pretty well. Held up pretty well. All right, thanks, Jason. Looking forward to seeing what everyone else thought of it. There we go. What did you think of Crawl? I'll always play late entries on my podcast, of course, but I appreciate everyone that sent an entry in for this show. Very cool. And I look forward to everybody's entries on a Conan Christmas. Remember, get them into me by December 22nd. Until then, be excellent to each other. Joking about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box?
sure he took a pretty head And the only question left is if I could see him dead Bring on the gold, bring on the gold I want some more, bring on the gold Well, your butcher is a dustman and your moil is by a tipper And I'm assuming that your partner back there in the wood chipper Don't look away Zombies are arising and the world's gone to hell. We're living for the dying and we're living for the dead. 